to hear is based on eyewitness testimony and evidence collected before, during, and after an actual paranormal investigation. The individual's names and locations have been changed to protect the identities of all persons involved. We've all experienced a dream that seems too real, a room that seems too dark, a presence when we know we're alone. We exist in a world of many realities where the impossible is probable and the unknown can be known. This is the realm of the weird. In the summer of 2001, through a strange series of events, I was immersed in a political campaign and had gone almost ten months without investigating a case. Between political rallies, campaign fundraisers, and kissing babies, I came across a voicemail message on my answering machine requesting my help with some ghosts. Hello, Mr. Tenney. I saw a poster for one of your lectures at the Royal Oak Library. And I was hoping you could help me with some little ghost children. I returned the call and explained that I wouldn't have time for a proper investigation until after November, when I would know if I had or hadn't been elected mayor of my hometown. I got the necessary information to begin research, and in November, after the votes had been counted and my opponent was declared the winner, I started researching Jessica's case. The house had been new when Jessica and her husband bought it fifty years ago. The land before the house had been built was undeveloped property with no known history of anything out of the ordinary. I called Jessica and scheduled a time when I could investigate the home. Four days later, I was knocking on her front door. Jessica Taylor was in her mid-seventies. Her husband, Lauren, had passed away five years earlier. She explained that both her and her husband had come from small families, and since she had never had any children and since Lauren had passed, she was alone. We sat drinking tea, eating cookies, and for every question I asked her, she asked me two or more. It became clear that she was not only alone, but lonely. She said that the children that she heard inside of her house seemed to be mostly well-behaved, and that she wasn't scared by them at all. She just wanted to know, like so many other people, that she wasn't crazy. I assured her that I would do everything in my power to set her at ease, and we started with the day-to-day -day occurrences. Okay, keep going. Well, you know, they're children, so they knock stuff around. They run up and down the hall, but they don't scare me. And does this happen all of the time? No, they must go to bed at night or something because they are only very active during the afternoon and weekends. Maybe they're at ghost school. I had her recount every event she could remember in as much detail as possible. She was even convinced that she knew how many ghosts she had in her house. The little boy is so well behaved, it's the two girls that cause most of the noise and mess. By the time I left, it was getting dark, and I had drank more jasmine tea than I ever believed possible. Since Jessica's case was of a non-urgent nature, I told her that I would return in two weeks for another interview and to set up a time for a full investigation. After a first interview with a client, I like to re-interview them later to watch for variations in their story. Sometimes by following this procedure, 
you can determine immediately if someone is lying to you and move directly to more important and truthful clients. During our second session, there had been two new incidents with the ghosties, as Jessica had begun calling them. A plant had been tipped over, the cold water in the bathroom had been turned on. These events, like the others Jessica mentioned in our first interview, could have easily been explained, but Jessica was sure it was her little ghosties. With all of her facts seemingly truthful, I planned to investigate the very next day. Jessica insisted on not wanting to bother me, so when I showed up the following afternoon, she handed me a key to the house and the phone number to the hotel where she would be staying. Her trust in me concreted my trust in her. Over the next 24 hours, as I inhabited her home, absolutely nothing strange happened. I performed EVP sessions, filmed video, took dozens upon dozens of photos, and although nothing strange had happened, after Jessica returned, I assured her that I would review all of the data and contact her immediately if I found anything. After I had reviewed all of the audio-video recordings, after all of the photos had been developed, I had come up with nothing. I called Jessica and told her my findings, and asked if there was anything else I could do for her. She told me that she was fine, and didn't need me to waste any more of my time on her. I told her we should meet for tea in a month or so, and discuss if we should go forward and how we should proceed. A month passed, and the Michigan winter raised its head. I called Jessica and asked to schedule a tea time. She informed me that she had fallen on ill health, but still wanted to have tea. So within the hour, I was at her house. She had lost a few pounds since our last meeting, but seemed in good spirits. She asked me about other cases that I was involved with, and I explained how I couldn't explain them to her. She began to tell me that she had grown to love her little ghosties. They love this house so much, she said. They're so excited for the snow. She smiled and excused herself to get more tea. After she had left the room, I sat staring out the bay windows that faced her backyard watching the snowfall. There was a small smudge near the bottom of the glass that caught my eye. Actually, there were two. No, three. I stood up and walked to the window. My breath fogged a portion of the glass, and I stood shocked. Again I leaned forward, this time purposefully, exhaling a deep breath along the base of the window, and to my surprise, the entire bottom of the window was covered, on the inside, with the handprints of children. I ran to the kitchen and told Jessica of my discovery. She said that the handprints had been happening ever since it started snowing. They're so excited for the snow, she stated again. I told her I needed to document this, but she insisted that what was happening in her house was meant for her and her only. I stood idly by while she took Windex and paper towels to the windows and wiped away the prints. We parted ways and I promised to keep in touch, hoping she would eventually change her mind. We did keep in touch for a while, and a few years later, I saw her obituary in the local newspaper, and I filed Jessica's case away. Two years passed, and I was reorganizing my files when I came across Jessica's case. I decided to visit the house and see if the new owners were experiencing anything paranormal. The woman who opened the door was about 35 years old, and as I explained who I was and what I was doing, I glanced past her into the living room where the television was blasting cartoons. Do you only have three children, I asked? Yes, she said. Two girls and a boy. 
I also discovered that they had recently moved here from Arizona. The children were so excited to see snow, she told me. I didn't know what to think as I drove away from the house. But when I got home later that day, I sat down in a big comfortable chair, and I remembered the time that I drank tea in the realm of the weird.